Chapter 16 of the Star Chamber, an historical romance, volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Star Chamber, volume 2, by William Harrison Ainsworth. Chapter 16, Sir Jocelyn's Rupture with the Gondomar. Far and wide echoed the report of Sir Jocelyn's brilliant achievements at the jousts, and wherever he went, he was hailed as vanquisher of the hitherto unconquered Buckingham. He bore his honors meekly, yet he did not escape calumny, for at a court, as everywhere else, distinguished success is certain to awaken a spirit of envy and detraction. These paltry feelings, however, were entirely confined to the disappointed of his own sex. By fair and more impartial judges, who had witnessed his exploits, he was spoken of in terms of unmingled admiration, and at the grand revel at Whitehall that followed the jousts, Many a soft glance told him how tenderly the gentle heart, whose feelings it betrayed, was inclined towards him. Faithful, loyal, and chivalrous, our young knight was as much proof against these lures as against the ruder attacks of his armed opponents in the lists, and his constancy to the lady of his love remained entirely unshaken. Far rather would he have been with Aveline in her humble dwelling than in those superb festal halls surrounded by all that was noble and beautiful, all that was dangerous and delusive. Far rather would he have received one smile from her, one kindly look, than all the blandishments showered upon him by these enchantresses. Fain would he have avoided the banquet, but as the hero of the day he was compelled to attend it. Indeed, he had to enact a principal part at the revel, and so well did he play it that compliments were lavished upon him, enough to have turned an ordinary head. Not from any desire for ostentatious display, but because Prince Charles had signified to him his wishes on the subject, he was arrayed in all the pearls and ornaments he had won from Buckingham, and more than one subtle courtier, anxious to stand well with him, flatteringly declared that they became him infinitely better than the Marquis. Others, less favorably disposed, remarked that his gem-bedecked doublet was like the garment of Nessus, and would cause its wearer's destruction and if they could have read Buckingham's secret thoughts, when he beheld his rival so adorned, they would have felt that the observation was not unwarranted. But though fully determined upon revenge, Buckingham allowed neither look nor word to betray his purpose. On the contrary, he displayed more than his usual affability to Munchensy, laughed at his own ill luck, and even went so far as to say that Sir Giles Mompasson had been rightly served, adding that he blamed himself for including him in his party, and was glad Sir Jocelyn had handled him so rudely. Though our young knight might well doubt Buckingham's sincerity, he replied to all his courtly speeches in similar terms, and the greatest cordiality appeared to subsist between them. Enchanted with this show of friendship, the king endeavored to promote it by keeping them near him throughout the evening, leading them to converse together, and fawning upon them, as was his way with those he highly favored. All this could not fail to be satisfactory to Monchensey, but he was far more pleased with the notice of Prince Charles, who treated him with marked consideration. Next morning, in compliance with an invitation to that effect he had received at the revel, Sir Jocelyn repaired to Ely House, in Holborn, the residence of the Spanish ambassador, and was at once admitted to his presence. They were alone, and after a few preliminary observations upon the events of the previous day, de Gondomar remarked, I think I have already afforded you abundant proof of my friendly feeling towards you, Sir Jocelyn, but I will not stop with what I have done. 
my power of serving you is greater than you may imagine it to be. I can lead you yet higher, and put you in a firmer position. In a word, I can place you on a level with Buckingham, perchance above him, if your ambition soars so high. Monchancy endeavored to express his deep sense of gratitude to the ambassador, and regretted his small means of requiting the numerous and important favors he had received from him. "'I will tell you what to do,' said de Gondomar. "'You can procure me certain information which I desire to obtain. "'By my instrumentality you have, in some degree, "'already obtained the king's confidence, "'and ere long are sure to become the depositary "'of many important state secrets. "'These you shall communicate to me, "'and you must also use your best endeavors "'to win Prince Charles over to the Church of Rome.' "'Is this proposal seriously made to me, Count?' demanded Monchancy, looking at him with astonishment, mingled with displeasure. "'Unquestionably it is serious, perfectly serious,' replied de Gondomar. "'I ask you only to serve me as a certain young nobleman of your acquaintance served me before he was compelled to fly from England to avoid the consequences of a quarrel with his wife's family. Your opportunities will be greater than his, and therefore your service will be more valuable.' "'I regret that such disloyalty should be laid at the charge of any English noble,' said Sir Jocelyn sternly. "'But think not, because Lord Roos played the spy and traitor, as your excellency insinuates he did, that I will be guilty of like baseness. Up to this moment I have felt nothing but gratitude to you for the favors you have heaped upon me, but the feeling is changed to resentment when I understand they are to be purchased at the price of my honor. I cannot accede to your wishes, Count. You must seek out some other tool. I can be none in your hands.' "'If this be real, and not affected indignation, Sir Jocelyn,' said de Gondomar coldly, "'it would seem that I have been altogether mistaken in you, "'and that I have been helping you up the ladder only to be kicked aside "'when you have gained a secure footing. "'But you have not reached the last step yet, "'and never will unless I find you more reasonable. "'And allow me to ask you, if you are as scrupulous as you profess to be, "'how you came to bring a token to me from a hired spy.' a token intended to let me know you were willing to undertake any secret service I might choose to confide to you? Have you changed your mind since then? Or rather, do you not fancy yourself out of danger and able to dispense with my assistance? I have ever been of the same opinion, Count, have ever been influenced by the same feelings of loyalty and devotion to my sovereign, and of detestation of all treasonable practices. Had I been aware of the import of the ring I showed your excellency on our first meeting, I would have hacked off my finger rather than have displayed it. Neither did I know the character of the man who confided it to me, though I ought to have distrusted him. He has played us both false, and for what end I cannot divine. "'I will solve the riddle for you, sir. He thought to serve you,' said de Gondomar. "'And he has done so, and most effectually, though you are now unwilling to admit it. I have good reason to complain of him. You have none.' "'I have more reason for complaint than your excellency,' rejoined Monchancy. "'He has placed me in a most painful and perplexing position.' "'There you are right, sir,' said de Gondomar. "'No matter how arrived at, you are in a position from which you cannot extricate yourself with honour. "'However disinclined you may be to act in concert with me, you have no other alternative. "'If I withdraw my support from you, your fall is inevitable. "'Think not I talk lightly. "'You are surrounded by enemies, though you discern them not.' Buckingham's magnanimous conduct at the revel last night was feigned to mask his purposes towards you. He has not forgiven his defeat, and means to avenge it. You fancy yourself on the high road to preferment, but you are on the verge of disgrace and ruin. I alone can save you. 
Choose, then, between compliance with my wishes, coupled with present protection and future advancement, and the consequences certain to attend your refusal. Choose, I say, between my friendship and my enmity. My answer shall be as prompt and decisive as your proposal, Count, replied Sir Jocelyn. I at once reject a friendship fettered with such conditions, and that I do not resent the affront put upon me in your dishonorable proposal must be set down to the obligations you have imposed upon me, which tie up my hands. But we are now quits, and if any further indignity be offered me, it will not be so lightly borne. Perdona vuestra merced, we are not quits, cried de Gondomar quickly. The account between us is far from settled, nor will I rest content till you have paid me in full. But we had better break off this interview, he added, more calmly, since no good is like to result from it. It is useless to reason with you, but you are wantonly throwing away a fairer opportunity than falls to the lot of most men, and will see your folly when too late. In taking my leave of your excellency, as there are no terms henceforth to be observed between us, except those of hostility, I deem it right to state that though I shall make no especial reference to yourself, I shall hold it my duty to acquaint his majesty with the system of espionage introduced into the palace, and, above all, I shall take care to guard the prince against the insidious snares laid for him. It is a pity so faithful a counsellor as yourself should not be listened to, rejoined de Gondomar. Yet, when I shut the doors of the palace against you, as I will do, you will find it difficult to obtain a hearing either from prince or king. In spite of all your efforts to the contrary, I shall learn any state secrets I desire to know, and I have great hopes of winning over Charles Stuart to the faith for which his lovely and martyred ancestress died. One more word at parting, Sir Jocelyn. You will remember when we first met, you were in danger from the star chamber. It would be useless now to say how I saved you from the punishment your rashness had incurred, how, while aiding you with the king, I kept aloof your enemies, Mompesson and Mitchell, who were prepared to attach your person for contempt of that terrible court, and would have done so if I had not prevented them. The warrant for your arrest still exists, and can be employed at any moment, so you will consider how long you can count upon your freedom, now that you have no strong arm to protect you. I have my own arm to trust to, rejoined Sir Jocelyn resolutely, and have no apprehensions. Vaya usted con Dios, said the Spaniard, bowing him out. Or should I rather say, he added to himself, vaya mucho en mala hora. End of chapter 16